Hi there, everyone. Let's start off with a prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the power of your word and the word of your power. We open our hearts to you and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and teach us. Come and equip us. Come and convict us. Come and take us to our next level, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, the time has come. This week, we've got our week of prayer and fasting running through from Monday morning right through to end of day, Saturday. And I encourage you to join us in this. And you can have a look at all the information on www.gochurch.co.za. We've got a prayer strategy for you there. We're going to be praying through different prayer items Monday through to Saturday. Just have a look there. There's a link to a message I did on fasting some time ago. It's always powerful when you're going into a time of fasting to equip yourself around what you are doing so you know what you're doing and why. And uh, we've got some fasting guidelines there also for you. So join us in this time as you sow and as you uh, water others in prayer. God is going to also water you. Amen. Well, we're continuing with our series about getting things done, getting things done. And I've been saying to you for the last few weeks, over the last few weeks, that we need to place a premium on getting things done. And one of the big enemies we have when it comes to getting things done is laziness. It's laziness. And uh, many times when we're going through tough times as a society, uh, globally, you know, with this pandemic, it's so, it's so easy to be paralyzed by fear and to end up in a place of inactivity. But I want to encourage you, let's resist the enemy with regards to this. The enemy will try to find different ways of slowing you down. Let's focus on God's purpose and let's make sure we keep advancing the kingdom and advancing his purpose in our own lives. And so I want to speak to you on the subject of uprooting laziness today. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, I'm going to read from the Berean Study Bible. It says, To this end I also labor. This is Paul the Apostle speaking. To this end I also labor. So he labored. He worked. But look what he says. Striving with all his energy, God's energy, working powerfully within me. This is so, so crucial. So when I talk about the opposite of laziness, which is really our goal, when I talk about diligence, when I talk about industry, when I talk about being active, when I talk about being completely engaged, when I talk about that today, I'm not talking about striving in the flesh. I'm talking about striving, yes. I'm talking about laboring, yes. I'm talking about working hard, yes, but with divine energy at work in you, okay? Uh, and that's, that's the difference. That's the difference. Because some people resist this kind of message because they say, Paul, I've been there before. Paul, I've been a workaholic before. I do not want to go there. And then they go the other extreme, right? In the NLT, it says this. It says, that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. This is so key when it comes to success in life depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. That's what I want to do. In the NIV, it reads like this. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So that's the goal. That's the goal. God has called us to be active. God has called us to be energetic. 
God has called us to be industrious and diligent people. And this is actually part of Christian character. See, the problem today is we try to disciple people and we focus just on their theology, right? But we forget about their character. And part of Christian character is diligence, you see. But it's important that we do all of this with Christ's strength at work in us. Now, this is not a message about striving in the flesh or being busy in the wrong direction. Remember, I spoke about that last week when we spoke about priorities. Some people are very busy, but they're not productive. Some people are very active, but active in the wrong direction. I'm not talking about that. I remember coaching a guy who feared that he would be perceived as being lazy. So he would stay on at work pretending to be busy because he just struggled leaving before other people. And this was during his first year of marriage. You can imagine the impact of this. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about pretending to be busy. I'm not talking about being a man pleaser, right? I'm not talking about working hard due to guilt and obligation. I'm talking about true Godward diligence. True Godward diligence. That's what I'm talking about. You see, the opposite of this is the spirit of laziness. And in this message, we're going to unpack what laziness is. We're going to look at the consequences and the benefits of laziness and the steps also to overcoming laziness. So let's start off by defining laziness. And I like how uh, the Merriam-Webster dictionary defines it. Disinclined to activity or exertion, not energetic or vigorous. In the Hebrew lexicon, some of the words that are used are words like slothful, idle, or being a sluggard. That's basically being a lazy person. And when you look at it scripturally, you realize that laziness is a vice and diligence is a virtue. Laziness is a vice and diligence is a virtue. You see, laziness is not about your personality. Being diligent is not a nice to have. It's a Christian virtue. It's something we should train up people in. It's something we should pass on to our children. Do you know that uh, back in the day, back in the day, people used to be stepped down from church leadership because of laziness. If you study some of those great reformers, you'll see what would happen in those particular churches. You see. And by the way, I'm not talking today about hurry sickness. That's one of the problems we have here in Gauteng province. Hurry sickness. You know, people move up from the coast and they say, yo, what's happening here? All right. It's where we've got this disease where if we're not busy, 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 then we get sick and there's something wrong. All right. But we're busy in the wrong direction. I know that some of you have been on the other extreme of workaholism. Okay. So anything to do with work, working hard, you view it negatively. All right. It's viewed negatively by you. The reality is that in a lot of nations, poverty is a real issue that is sadly linked to people's own laziness. Okay. We see two people from the same community. One develops themselves, work hard, they work hard and they become successful whilst the other one gets into crime because they're impatient, they're envious and they're lazy. And I'm speaking from experience, not my personal experience, but experience like I've spoken to a former gangster. And he said, you know what, when we would do these heists and when we would do this and we would do that, one of the reasons we did it is number one, we saw our uncles doing it and we saw the money that they made. They're not criminals anymore, but we saw what they did. And we also wanted to have what they had. We wanted to also drive those fancy vehicles and we wanted it now. So I said, oh, impatience. Yes, 
Oh, envy. Yes. And then he says, and Paul, who wants to get up every morning and go to work at seven o'clock in the morning? No one wants to do that. So I said laziness. Yes, he confirmed that. Okay. I've seen that laziness is something that is passed on to the next generation. I've seen it. We can create a culture of laziness. We can create a culture of laziness. Okay, because laziness is actually a habit. Have you noticed that when your kids are on holiday, what happens? They're on holiday and they get more and more tired and lethargic. They don't feel like doing this. They don't feel like doing that. And the moment school starts again, what happens? They're inundated with lots of work and they're like, complain. There's so much work. And I know it's true because they're now in a higher grade. But I've also asked my kids this question. I said, is it because you weren't doing that much work during the holidays and now you're adjusting? Have you noticed that if you look back on your life, there was a period where you worked really hard and you look back and you say, how did I accomplish all those amazing things? I can't believe I did so much. It's because you had a mindset of diligence and you accomplished a lot of that kind of thing. And maybe right now you're just not in that space. So I believe that diligence is both a virtue and a mindset. You get into this mode where you say, I want to focus, I want to be full of vigor, and I want to achieve these results. It's a mode you get yourself into. It's a mode you get yourself into. And we have seasons like that. I'm telling you right now, the early church was ruthless with regards to how to treat lazy people. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through to 10, it says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. Now, that's quite major. He didn't just say, we command you, right? He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. It wasn't a suggestion, right? It says, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle, who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. I find it very interesting how in a lot of churches we teach that keep away from this type of person, keep away from that type of person. But how often do you hear it being said, keep away from a person who's idle? I'll tell you why. Because laziness is infectious. Laziness is infectious. If you hang around lazy people, you often will become lazy. You'll catch that habit. Okay. If you hang around diligent people, it's infectious. It's infectious. I remember when we would go to my rural home for holidays, right, in the eastern highlands of Zimbabwe, and we would go there every holiday. My grandmother was really, um, I mean, she was a workhorse, you know. It wasn't like those holidays where it's like, hey, just chill and just play. She's like, you know, are you guys going out to the fields? Are you guys doing this? Are you guys doing that? You know, I remember one time I was sitting down, I'd been out in the fields and I was just taking a break and I was sitting in the lounge and I was like just wiping my glasses. I used to wear glasses uh, growing up. I was wiping my glasses and she really dissed me just for sitting, not doing anything, wiping my glasses. It was it's quite funny when I think back to it. But the point I'm making is when I look at the people in my dad's family and his siblings, they're all extremely diligent. They grew up in, under that uh, kind of environment. And I'm telling you now, parents, how you are, the culture you create, you will either breed children who are diligent, who, pro who are productive uh, with their use of time, or children who are lazy and who will not prosper because of that. Okay? So this is so important. It's infectious. It says, uh, keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Okay, what was Paul and his team like? We were not idle. 
when we were with you. So again, he uses the example of being idle. You can see that's the primary theme here. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. Okay, so they didn't take advantage of people. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. In other words, diligence is something people can imitate. But you see, we have to have role models if people are going to imitate it. Okay? Uh, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who's unwilling to work shall not eat. I mean, this is major. And you see, why do people not work? Very often they're unwilling to work. They're unwilling to work. That's, that's a fact. All right. Now, it's important to know that Paul uses the word rule. Right. This is the rule I gave you. And he says, I command you. He uses the word command. So these were not mere suggestions. This is part of our Christian culture. And it's so important that we recreate this in the church context today, that we are hardworking people. He was so intentional about modeling this behavior to them. Right. So that they had something to follow, something to copy. Now, we live in a society that has vilified work. You know, that has vilified work, that has made work seem like, oh, you're doing that. Why are you working so hard? All right. Many people are criminals today because of laziness. I've mentioned that earlier on. In Genesis 2 verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So in the scripture, we see that work came before the fall of man, before man had fallen, before sin entered his heart. God actually gave him work to do. And that's the word that is used. In the Hebrew, work means work. All right? So find out what your Garden of Eden is. What is your place of work? Find out what it is and then begin to work it and tend it. All right? That's where you'll have divine energy. Right? That's where you'll have God's energy. God's anointing, God's energy at work in you is for what he's called you to do. It's not for other things. And that's why some of you lack that anointing, that grace to do certain things because you're not functioning in your garden of Eden. Right. So God gave him work to do. Right. Gave Adam work to do from the very start before the fall. Right. Having said this, laziness manifests beyond work. It's not just I'm too lazy to work. All right. You can be too lazy to do a whole lot of other things. Right. You can be too lazy to exercise. Remember, laziness is about inactivity. Laziness is about being slack, right? You can be too lazy to exercise. Someone once said, and this is a guy called uh, Paul Terry, whenever I feel the need to exercise, I lie down until it goes away. Whenever I feel the need to exercise, I just lie down until it goes away, <laughs> okay? You can be too lazy to eat physical food and spiritual food. So a lot of people are too lazy to read the word, right? Too lazy to pray, too lazy to engage with God. He's the living God. He's so amazing, right? But many of us are too lazy to engage with him. Many people are too lazy to eat. Sometimes you'll go to certain people's uh, homes. It might be a, a bachelor living by himself somewhere and you say, why didn't you cook yourself a good meal? Why didn't you? I was too lazy, right? You can be too lazy to eat physical food. You can be too lazy to develop yourself personal development or even personal care. 
Now, some of you are like, Paul, how can you be too lazy to eat? Well, the Bible actually talks about that. In Proverbs 26, verse 15, it says, A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. I mean, that's extreme. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anyone can identify that. Being too lazy to literally lift up your hand and eat. You see, sometimes we're actually lazy in speech. Have you noticed that? So we use efficiency of words, but then we fail to communicate meaningfully. You know, uh, sometimes my wife and I will have those types of discussions and, and I'm like, oh, what were you saying? Were you meaning this? And she might say, no, I was using efficiency of words. When I said this, I was meaning this. And I might do the same with her. And we've discovered that, you know what, sometimes when we don't actually say what we mean and mean what we say, the other person doesn't understand. But it's like, it's too many words. It's too many words for us to speak. Okay. I like um, what a particular author mentioned. She said, so avoid using the word very because it's lazy. A man is not very tired. He's exhausted. Don't use very sad. Use morose. Language was invented for one reason, boys, to woo women. And in that endeavor, laziness will not do. It also won't do in your essays. Do you remember where that comes from? That's from Dead Poets Society, okay? And there's actually um, a particular lady, N.H. Uh, Kleinborn, she wrote the novel after the movie. You know, usually you're used to people um, writing a novel and then they do the movie of the book, okay? This was kind of like the other way around, but I think it's just quite a powerful statement that she makes, right? Language is so beautiful. Let's not be lazy with our words. Let's say what we mean and mean what we say, okay? So diligence requires self-discipline. It requires self-discipline, doesn't it? I wish it was easier, but it's not. I like what Thomas A. Edison said, we often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. We often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. How many opportunities are passing you by because you're like, that's just hard. How many opportunities are passing you by because you're waiting for something to be handed to you on a silver platter? Your mindset is, if it's really God, Paul, then it'll just come to me. Who said God operates like that? He might want to say to you, you know what? You need to actually just work a bit. And then you'll see the opportunity. You'll mine the opportunity. God gives us gold. There's gold, but it has to be mined. There are diamonds, but they have to be mined. And people don't want to do the mining. They want the diamonds, but they don't want to do the mining. Okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through to 27, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We see from this passage, powerful passage, we see that diligence is necessary for goal attainment. Diligence is necessary for goal attainment. If you want to accomplish your goals, you have to be diligent. And diligence requires discipline. Okay, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, it says, We want each of you to show this 
same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. So what you hope for will not be fully realized unless you've got this ingredient, diligence, right? And very often we get there when we've uprooted laziness from our lives. It's so important that our diligence displaces laziness in our lives. In verse 12, we do not want you to become lazy. Can you see it's the opposite? They're contrasting laziness with diligence, okay? We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate, again, right? We become diligent as we imitate hardworking people around us. To imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. You will not inherit the promise if you are not diligent, full of faith and patience. It is easy to become lazy and weary when you lose faith and patience. Many people don't start lazy, but because of unbelief and despair, they lose heart. Loss of heart results in inactivity. Have you noticed that? Okay. So let's just think through these things and see what's actually affecting us and causing us to become lazy. Now, what are some of the guises of laziness? You know, it's not just someone slouching on a couch. Okay. Sometimes it looks like this. Making a quick buck becomes your default. Have you noticed those people? It's like, you know what? The way I make money, Paul, is I just make a quick buck, quick deals, you know. But at the root of it, there's impatience, there's envy, right? And there's trusting in the flesh. And you find that long term, that person doesn't prosper, right? So maybe that's become your default. What about gambling? A lot of people who go the gambling route, they go that route because of laziness. They just don't want to work hard, right? What about profiteering, where you begin to abuse people, where you begin to con people, right? You know that back in the day, I'm talking about 1800s, people would be stepped down from church eldership because of things like profiteering, because of things like greed. I'm telling you factual stuff where it would be said, this person was stepped down because they were greedy and uh, they, they were profiteering, right? Prioritizing excessively your hobbies. This is something that happens a lot where some people are so busy, but with their toys, you know what I'm talking about? These are grown-ups who should be responsible pursuing their, the call of God in their lives. There's a place for hobbies, but we can't just live for our hobbies. You get what I'm saying? It's so important to have as a starting point when you're managing priorities to actually say, this is my main purpose, this is what I want to do, and then when I'm now uh, refreshing myself, relaxing, this is what I do, as opposed to the other way around. I don't know how some people end up with so much time to do all sorts of meaningless things in the grand scheme of things, meaningless things, things they're doing just for themselves, not for anyone, and still fulfill their life purpose. You can't have it both ways. There's a place for hobbies and there's a place for your primary purpose, okay? The inability to wake up early. The inability to actually say, you know what, I need to get up at such and such a time, therefore I'll discipline myself to do so, so that I'm productive. Oversleeping, all right? That, these are all signs of laziness. These are geysers of laziness. This shows you how um, laziness manifests very often, all right? I want to give you some steps today, some steps in overcoming laziness. What are some of the steps you go through? The first thing to do is set specific goals. Set specific goals. We'll talk about goal setting at some stage, but it's so important to have specific goals. It's important to have plans and goals. To plan is to prepare the details beforehand. A goal is a dream with a deadline. 
It's important to have that. And some people are very anti-goals. I remember some years ago, I was talking about goal setting and someone says, is that biblical? I'm telling you, there's so many verses that talk about goals, right? Jesus had goals. God had goals. God has got plans, right? Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. When we talk about haste, we're talking about the person who wants to make a quick buck through gambling, a quick buck, you know, through profiteering or conning someone or crime, right? The plans of the diligent lead to profit. So you've got a plan, right? Uh, in the book of Psalms 20 verse 4, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. That's one of the blessings that, Lord, the things I've planned, you can help me to make them succeed. One of the things I've learned is that aimlessness results in demotivation, which produces laziness. You see, lazy people often have no goals that they're committed to. If you don't have a plan or a goal, you will always be on someone else's schedule. Have you noticed that? You will, you will be part of their plans, not your own. Often if you ask a lazy person about his dreams, about his vision and action plan, he struggles to give you an answer. There is nothing wrong with binge watching TV series once in a while. You know, when you just want to veg out, when you're feeling tired. But when that's your default, it's usually because you've got no goals. You've got no goals for the weekend in terms of doing something productive. Okay, You've got no real goals that you're committed to. So you're a grown man, but you're living like a juvenile, right? I don't know how people find time. I honestly don't know how people find time to do certain things. Time is limited. And when you've got a full purpose and plan from God for your life, you will see that time is a limited resource. And you've only got a limited amount of time to do things that don't impact eternity. Okay? Time is limited. And what I've realized is that lazy people often have no sense of urgency. They often have no sense of urgency. Right? There will always be things competing with these goals that you have. So have self-conversations with yourself, self-conversations through your priority ladder to actually say, you know what, I feel like doing A, but I can't do it until I've first done B because B is a priority. You see, I need to work first before I play. Simple as that. When you live a life that's driven by eternity, you focused on things that have eternal value, things that have impact, things that are important. And then with the time that's left over, you do other things. And I'm going to talk about that in a while, right? I'm going to, so, so don't stress out and think, oh, what about my fun? We'll talk about that. So that's the first thing. Make sure you've got goals that are aligned with your life purpose. The second thing is be straightened towards God in everything. Be straightened toward God in everything. There are a lot of people who are not straightened toward God. They're bent toward man. In Colossians 3, I'm going to read verse 17 and then I'm going to read verses 22 to 24. <coughs> Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. Do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. This is one of the most powerful passages in scripture, I believe. Why? Because it actually shows us how we can be straightened toward God and not bent toward man. And you see, this mindset is so crucial if we want to overcome laziness. What we see in this scripture is, whatever I do, I must do it with all my heart. Whatever I do, it doesn't matter how small it is, I must do it with all my heart. And secondly, we see that I must do it for God. I must do it for God. So I don't change how I do it based on people watching me. You see, there's some people like that. You know, when the cat's away, the mice side play. If you find that you're changeable, you know, you, you work hard when your boss is watching you. When he's not watching you, you don't work hard. It means you're not doing it for God. You're doing it as a man pleaser, right? I must do it in his name. I must do it in his name, which means that I'm representing him. When you do something in someone's name, you're representing that person. Would Christ do it this way? This is so important. And then fourthly, I must do it giving thanks. That's why the Bible says, do it working heartily, but doing it giving thanks to God through Jesus Christ. This is so, so important because that means that I'm not moaning while I'm doing it. I'm cheerful, right? I'm doing it from a grateful heart. I'm doing it giving thanks to the Lord. What is interesting here is this passage of scripture is talking about everything we say and do. It says everything that you say with your mouth and do with your hands, with your feet, all right? Do it for God. That is so powerful when you really meditate on this. So as long as you are doing things bent towards man, you will not try hard when you're upset with that person. It's like, oh, he did this yesterday to me. He was horrible to me. So I'm not going to do this great for him, right? That's what actually ends up happening. You become changeable because God isn't your ultimate boss, right? So in my busyness, I must still be displaying Christ-likeness. This is so important. When I'm doing things in the name of Christ, I'm doing them with the character of Christ. You see, there's some people who are very hardworking, right? But no one wants to work with them, right? They're busy and they're even productive, but they're not Christ-like. They're very proud about how productive they are, but you don't want to be near them when they're working hard. You just want to be around them when they're doing social things and so on. But the moment they're in work mode, and that's the excuse they give, you know, some people work hard, but when they're busy, they change. They say, no, 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 but I was in work mode. You must understand. Some pastors even talk about ministry mode. No, but I'm in ministry mode. So you must understand. But we can still be gentle. Jesus doesn't say, oh, stop being gentle when you're now in ministry mode, you know, and everyone must just understand. So we must make sure. I know there are times when we must be focused. I know there are times when people mustn't be too sensitive. I get that. But we must make sure that we don't get into the flesh when we are busy. We must still be pleasant, you see. So sadly, some people are only engaged in their work when someone else is watching. Is that you? You see, it's important to see your work as worship unto God. In Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, it says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. So we are called to work with all our might. And this speaks of engagement. And I've shared with you before the three pillars of engagement. It's dedication. It's vigor. And vigor is often linked to our health. If you are consistently eating high glycemic foods and so on, you're experiencing that sugar, sugar low, sugar highs, sugar low, etc. 
and is difficult to work with vigor. You're that person who's always on a permanent personal go slow. Okay? Um, it also speaks of absorption, where you're fully engaged in what you're doing, fully absorbed in what you're doing, you see. And the key here is present your body as a living sacrifice to God and allow him to use you in this particular way. So we are called to do this even in the small tasks. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So this passage shows us that we must be trustworthy with seemingly insignificant things. Because God is watching us and this is a key to our promotion. How am I with the small stuff? Am I doing it with all my might? Am I doing it with all my strength? Because God is watching. I'm doing it for an audience of one. This is such a powerful revelation to have in terms of how we live the Christian life. The third thing I want to say in terms of steps in overcoming laziness is pray against passivity and slumber in your life. Pray against passivity and slumber in your life. In Romans 13, 11 to 14, it says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You see, you can be a believer, but because of slumber, you don't walk in the things associated with salvation. Because your salvation is near, wake up, experience the benefits of salvation. You see, some people are believers, but they're in slumber and they're not walking the fullness of their salvation. In Matthew 25, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 5. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So here's the principle. You can get into a state of slumber whilst waiting. What do you do whilst you're waiting for your breakthrough? You see, are you becoming cynical? When you're awake, you take care lest you fall. Someone who's not bound by the spirit of slumber, they're conscious. Hey, let me just be careful. I need extra oil just in case I run out. I need to be accountable to my friends just in case I fall. I need this. I need to be staying strong in prayer. I need to be connected with Jesus just in case this and this happens. That's the mindset you have. When we are bound by the spirit of slumber, we fall into sin. This is important to fully understand this. In Mark chapter 14, verse 37, the Bible says, Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, Are you asleep? Could you, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Jesus was surprised by their slumber. Jesus was at a time where he needed them to be awake, to be supporting him. But they were sleeping. My question to you is, would he be surprised by your slumber today? Would he be surprised by your slumber today? This is so important to understand. And let me tell you something. Sometimes the spirit of slumber actually hits you when you're in a place of wanting to do spiritual things. Have you noticed that? When you're doing worldly things or when you're doing meaningless things, you're very energetic. You're really wide awake. 
But the moment you try to start reading your Bible, very often that spirit of slumber comes. I'm telling you, these are spiritual things. Very often when there's witchcraft against a particular person, one of the signs of it is the spirit of slumber. Right? You have people where they can be really alert when they're watching a TV show. But the moment they start listening to a sermon, they start falling asleep. And some of you will say, well, maybe the sermon was boring. But no, I'm talking about at the beginning of the sermon. I'm not talking about in the end. I'm talking about five minutes into the sermon. This person was so energetic, starts falling asleep. And after the sermon, what happens? person is wide awake discussing politics with people after the service. I'm telling you right now, we need to come against the spirit of slumber. We need to come against the spirit of slumber in our lives. When do you feel drowsy? And when do you feel energetic? Do you have energy to do the things that God has called you to do? Do you have energy to develop yourself spiritually? Or do you find that the spirit of, sl or spirit of slumber hits you, comes against you when you're trying to build your life in a godly way? The fourth step in overcoming the spirit of laziness is understand the consequences of laziness. Understand the consequences of laziness. In Jeremiah 48 verse 10 it says, A curse on anyone who is lax in doing the Lord's work. This is speaking of a time where it's basically what God was saying prophetically, right, to the children of Israel when they had to deal with uh, the Moabites, the people of Moab. Right? And he was trying to get them to a place of actually dealing with these people who were causing them harm. And it says, a curse on anyone who's lax in doing the Lord's work. And that's one of the words for laziness, when people are too lax about important things. Okay? A curse on anyone who keeps their sword from bloodshed. There's certain things we need to be fighting against today. And it might not result in bloodshed, but we need to be doing that spiritual warfare. And we can't be lax about it. You know, that word lax means uh, someone who's negligent. It means someone who's idle. It means someone who's lazy. Right? In Proverbs 19 verse 15, watch this. It says, laziness brings on deep sleep and the shiftless go hungry. I find it so interesting. Laziness brings on deep sleep. What is it talking about? I believe I believe that laziness can open a door to the spirit of slumber. Laziness brings on deep sleep. Okay, Laziness here means sluggishness. And the word deep sleep here is the same word that is used when it says God put Adam into a deep sleep and then he pulled out Eve from Adam. Okay, And the word shiftless here speaks of being idle. Being lazy, it speaks of, of lack, um, slackness, and it also speaks of laxness, all right? Laziness can open a door to the spirit of slumber. If you remain in the flesh, and you don't keep your flesh under, and you just lax about everything, you can open yourself to a spirit that keeps putting you into deep sleep, a spirit of slumber. I'm telling you that right now. Just like in life, you know, if you're so much in the flesh concerning anger, and you keep getting angry, you can open a door to a spirit of rage and you end up surprised that I actually did this to someone because of the spirit of rage. In the same way, if you continue in the flesh being lazy, you can open yourself to a spirit of slumber and it's very difficult to then get out of it. All right. In Proverbs 18 verse 9, it says, the one who is slack in his work is brother to the one who destroys. You see, when you are lazy, you become slack and the result is destruction. 
That's why very often when mistakes are made, accidents happen in the workplace, people end up dying. People say, well, what happened? What happened? And it goes back to one person's negligence, one person's laziness. I won't double check that. I'll just skip those safety procedures. And people are dying today because of that. All right. Just go and look at all the stats. Those of you in the world of mining, those of you in uh, different worlds where uh, engineering, construction, right? The one who is slack in his work is brother to the one who destroys. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34, powerful passage. A lot of us are familiar with it. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. What did he learn? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Some translations say scarcity like a bandit. I want to ask you a question. What aspects of your life are in ruins or full of weeds because of your laziness? Because of your slackness? Because of your passivity? What aspects of your life are in ruins right now? Are full of weeds because of your laziness and your passivity? Just reflect on that for a while. The fifth thing I want to talk about as a step to overcoming uh, passivity, overcoming laziness, is meditate on the benefits of diligence. Meditate on the benefits of diligence. In Proverbs 10 verse 4, it says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. You see, diligence is a key to wealth creation. So be careful of shortcuts and miracle money. Be very careful of this thing of it'll just be handed to me on a silver platter. And then that becomes your default. I'm not saying God doesn't do miracles. But I'm saying we want to work as good stewards of the wealth he gives us. And little by little we grow and we develop. We don't want to bypass this thing of diligence. Okay, those are biblical principles. There are many people who go and they ask for prayer. Pastor, just lay hands on me and my breakthrough will come and everything will sort itself out. But unfortunately, in terms of Christian character, we also have to rebuke them and say, yes, I can pray for your breakthrough, but you have to play your part. And it might involve a bit of hard work. It might involve a bit of diligence. Don't get me wrong. There are times when you have a season of working very hard, a season of um, diligence in terms of studying. And at a certain point, you almost start experiencing sweatless victories where there's just an ease to it. There's just an ease to it. But some people, their default is they want a life of ease. They want a life where they bypass the hard work. Sadly, it doesn't work that way. I wish it were different, but it doesn't work that way. You know those people, they want to have that six-pack, wonderful chest, but they just want to, they want to bypass going to the gym. You know, They want to be super fit. Let me just take this tablet and I'll be super fit. No, it requires hard work. People have been asking me, so Paul, are you enjoying your running? And my father-in-law asked me that, are you enjoying your running? It's like, I can't say I really enjoy it. I enjoy the benefits of it. I enjoy the fruit of it, being able to run faster and run further. But it's not always fun, when you, especially when you have to run a certain pace, you know, and you're running for long distances. Not always fun. I know some people find it fun, but for me, um, it's the reward, <laughs> okay? So, Proverbs 10 verse 5 says, He who gathers crops 
in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Can you see that diligence is a virtue? Laziness is a vice. It's something to actually repent of. It's not a nice to have. It, these things are not linked to personality. Oh, he's just got that hardworking personality and she's just got that lazy personality. We're talking about Christian virtues here, right? In Proverbs 12, verse 11, it says, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. This is such a powerful verse because you know what it shows me? There's some people who don't like working, but instead... They always have a grandiose idea. These are the fantasies I'm talking about. They have a grandiose idea that they're pursuing and it's really a fantasy. You see, laziness has many guises. A lot of people who are lazy, they're always talking. Have you noticed that? They're always talking about this next deal or this thing they're doing and so on. But you can see they're bypassing hard work. And that's why the Bible talks about people chasing fantasies. Okay? There's no real action. Right? They're not necessarily disengaged from these deals. They're often involved, but just as talkers, but there's no real action. In Proverbs 13, verse 4, it says, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. No pain, no gain. Some people need to know that. No pain, no gain. Proverbs 20, verse 4, Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but they find nothing. You know what the scary thing about this verse is? The scary thing is they still look even though they didn't plow. So they didn't, they didn't put the work in, but somehow they're still looking, expecting something. They expect things to come to them on a silver platter or through some miracle money or something like that, despite their lack of diligence. Despite their lack of diligence. The sixth thing I want to say as a step to overcoming laziness is this. Assess your recovery time. Assess your recovery time. You see, sometimes we're not lazy. We're just tired. Sometimes we're not lazy. We're just tired. And I know some of you are claiming this for yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's me, pastor. You know, I'm not actually lazy. I'm just exhausted. I'm just tired. Okay? Now, in sport... We need recovery time, don't we? Uh, Ted Spiker writes this in Runner's World magazine. says, when you run, you aren't just building stamina and strength. You're also breaking your body down, causing a tiny amount of tissue damage. Allowing yourself time to recover afterwards is what makes it possible for you to come back better next week, next month, next race. You see? So sometimes my running improves after I've had a rest day, after I've had some rest, okay? Because recovery is so important. So are you eating right? Are you sleeping right? You see, some people pride themselves in the fact that uh, they can get by without much sleep. Unfortunately, when you interact with some of these people, it's like they're on a personal go slow, right? They're half asleep while they're interacting with you. But they're the same people who are saying, I don't need much sleep. I don't need... But how productive are you when you are awake? How productive are you? You know, I explained recently to my wife that, you know what, I'm always feeling tired. I'm just, you know, I think maybe I need to get checked out or something, you know. I'm often feeling exhausted and I downplay the amount of work I actually do, okay. So I'm always feeling exhausted. And my wife said to me, I think that's maybe because you don't really stop, right? And she was right. And you know what? I decided uh, one of these days, I decided that I'm going to go to bed early. 
the following day, I had more energy than usual. Okay? I rest so that I can recharge. We rest so that we can recharge. You see, getting up early helps, but make sure you also go to bed early. Some people, when they set goals for the new year, you hear them saying things like, yeah, I'm going to wake up at this time and so on, but they don't redefine their bedtime. They don't redefine their bedtime, right? In order to wake up early, you need to go to bed early and you need to make sure you've got adequate sleep. And this is all throughout scripture, by the way. In Psalm 127 verse 2, it says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. One of the signs that God loves us is he gives us sleep. Sometimes I had to help people who struggle with their sleep, insomnia. And sometimes they have to actually claim the scripture that, Lord, you say in your word that you grant sleep to those you love. I know you love me. So I thank you, Father, that you grant sleep to me. You give me sleep. It's so, so important. So many things happen to your physical body when you're sleeping. We need recovery time so that we've got energy to do what God has called us to do. Some of you are struggling with fatigue right now, but it's because of your sleep pattern. Okay. In Mark chapter 6, verse 31, it says, Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Okay. I know some people don't like the word retreat, but that's really what's happening here. When you go and you're by yourself in a quiet place, away from everyone else, you're retreating and you're getting some rest so that you can build yourself up to be effective for the next number of days. Okay? I don't know about you, but I want to put in a good innings in my life. So I need to make sure that I'm resting well. In Exodus 34, verse 21, it says, Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. Who created us? God did. Who created the Sabbath? Well, it was created for us. Not us for the Sabbath, but it was created for us because God knew. He put these laws in place because he knows what our bodies need and he knows our tendency to get addicted to our work and to not press pause. All right. And what I find interesting is he doesn't say, just wait for that annual holiday, then you will rest. It says, even during the plowing season, even during harvest. In other words, during the busy times, we must find a way of filling up and topping up each week, not after three months. You see, some people have this mindset of my work-rest balance, Paul, is a bit different. You know, I work night and day, night and day for a number of months. Then I have that long fishing holiday. Doesn't work that way. God knows how your body works. He knows what you need, all right? In Exodus 23, verse 12, it says, six days, do your work, but on the seventh day, do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest. So it's also the, the people around us, the people who help us, right? And so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. So don't abuse your workers. You need rest, but they also need rest. You don't want to become the type of employer where you just traveling the world all the time, always just relaxed, and you've got these workhorses who never rest, okay? Now, let me just qualify this by saying this. Some people like talking about the importance of the Sabbath, 
right? And they forget that the context of this is actually working for six days. So I know some of you are getting excited about what I'm talking about here. And you're saying, yes, then I can have this rest. But remember, the context is six days you shall labor. That's also a command, right? Right? You shall labor. You shall be productive. You shall be diligent, working for the Lord, doing great things for God. Right? So I just wanted to say that. Uh, and it's important to see that this rest is to do with daily sleep and weekly time off. We need to be refreshed so that we can continue to glorify God in our fruitfulness. The Bible says uh, when we're fruitful, God is glorified. Okay. Now, in conclusion, I want to mention this. You know, we often talk about the Proverbs 31 woman and we talk about her character. But what's so central to her character is her diligence. You see, many people fail to see that one of her underpinning values was that she was diligent and she was industrious. And you see that throughout that passage. You know, the passage says she gets up whilst it is still night, right? Uh, she goes uh, about her work vigorously. She had vigor. She was engaged in what she was doing. If we want to be like the Proverbs 31 woman, then we need to uh, probably embrace rising early. We probably need to embrace working vigorously. In Proverbs chapter 31, verses 27 to 29, look at one of the things it says. It says, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. In other words, she's not lazy. Her children arise. This is the fruit of it. Her children arise and call her blessed. Your children honor you and respect you when they see your diligence. Her husband also, and he praises her. And what does he say? Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. You surpass them all. I want to encourage us to fully embrace this message. And uh, the process I'd like you to go through is to ask God, Lord, have I partaken of the bread of idleness in any aspect of my life? I renounce that. I dispel that. I rebuke the spirit of slumber from my life once and for all. I also want to encourage you to embrace your life purpose. You see, when you are aligned with God's purpose for your life, you've got energy to do what he's called you to do. Some of you feel this uh, lethargy around what you are doing simply because you're not aligned with his purpose. Find out what his purpose is because there's grace to do what he's called you to do. Not grace for other things. What he's called you to do and fully, fully embrace that in your life. And then thirdly, I'd like you to just spend time with the Lord and say, Lord, can you show me with your creativity? Can you open my eyes to see areas where I'm lazy? Might not be my work. It could be maybe exercise. It could be maybe in cooking and just eating right, rice. Um, right. <laughs> I'm too lazy to get the right food. I'm too lazy to go and um, replace the fruit that are no longer there in my house. I'm too lazy to get vegetables, so I'll just go for that fast food. It's just easier, okay? There are many areas in our lives where we become lazy, right? Ask God to show you these things and then work on that discipline of embracing diligence and industry and vigor. It's amazing what you'll see God doing. Let's pray. Father, we open our hearts to you and we say, please, Lord, release the grace for activity in the right direction. Release this grace in our lives. May we be diligent people who model this 
to the next generation. May we raise up another generation of people who are diligent, Lord God. We come against the crime in our nations and we pray, Father, that once again diligence will be a virtue that's spoken of and that's taught in our churches. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. We look forward to you um, dialing in with us on Zoom throughout the week as we have this week of prayer and fasting. God bless you.